The Attorney General of North Dakota has responded to us here an exclusive statement to Human Events Daily. We're going to break that down for you all about his new investigation pledged into the death of Kaylor Ellingson. But I want to remind you as well about the Great Reset. And we have the docuseries up at tposa.com slash reset. You go to the website, you'll be able to watch episode one there myself, Morgan Zeggers, our trip to Davos, everything that happened to us with Klaus Schwab sending his thugs after us, and everything that we were able un- to uncover. It's a great series. You don't want to miss this. And it's just it's just a great, it's fun to watch. Um, the, the production team did a fantastic job. Make sure you go check it out, reset.tposa.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard tonight's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is September 23rd, 2022, Anno Domini. Tonight's top headlines, North Dakota's Attorney General is responding to Human Events Daily, has responded, and pledges an investigation into the death of Kaylor Ellingson. We'll explain everything that he said to us. This is Drew Wrigley. Next, a bombshell filing out of the Department of Justice. Federal informants are set to testify in the Oath Keepers trial, January 6th. Third, PayPal and Venmo are allowing a pedophile support group to operate on their platforms. And finally, drug trafficking weaponized. Venezuela's super cartel. All this to more ahead, Human Events Daily. I don't understand the differences. 41-year-old Shannon Brandt had a tough time understanding the charges against him, vehicular homicide, and leaving the scene of a deadly accident. A judge ordered Brandt held on $50,000 cash, which he objected, saying he's not a flight risk. I have a job and, a, and a, a life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. Family that are very important to me. I've got, I've got a job, a family, a life, things that are very important to me. I, I don't want this to go out and by the wayside. Okay, Shannon Brandt, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you have a family and a life and things that you don't want to go by the wayside, your job. But what about Kaylor Ellingson's family and his life, his job? He worked at a Dollar General, by the way in town. He's not going back to his job. He's not going back to his family and he's not going back to his life because you took it from him. Shannon Brandt, you took that from him. And we've now got transcripts out in this case that show that this prosecutor, Kara Brinster, Kara Brinster, remember that. Maybe you can pull her number up. Let's see if the producers can get her number up for me. Kara Brinster, because I want to say this out again. And just send it to me, guys. She only put this guy in for vehicular manslaughter and leaving the scene of a crime without rendering aid. Okay. This was murder. He's admitted to murder. He said he did it because it was a political dispute. Well, the attorney general of the state hadn't put out any statement for a while. And we were very, we were very vocal 
about calling out Drew Wrigley, the Attorney General of North Dakota, to say something about this. Well, Drew Wrigley has sent back a statement to us here at Human Events Daily and states, as Attorney General, I oversee the Bureau of Criminal Investigation's investigation, not directly the county prosecution. Our investigators are working hard to secure all the facts and eventually present them to the county prosecutor with original jurisdiction. I pledge a fair, thorough, aggressive investigation, as is my reputation. Okay. He then put out a formal statement. My full statement on the taking of Kaylor Ellingson's life and law enforcement protocols that apply to this investigation. The loss of a young life is always a tragedy under any circumstances. Outrageously in this case, it's alleged that the suspect admitted that his actions were motivated by a dispute over political beliefs. There is no place in civil society for this hateful violence. I call on all North Dakotans to pray to join me in praying for Kaylor Ellingson and his family in condemning any and all politically motivated hate. Listen to this. I also call on all Americans, including political leaders, to end this type of rhetoric. Political violence has become all too common and must come to an end. So you see that right there? He's referencing President Biden. That's what he's referencing. Okay, we've got the phone number. Producer Deb just sent it to me. 701-652-3400. That's the number for Kara Brinster, the state prosecutor who, by the way, set bond for this guy. She only requested bond for this murdering scum at four or excuse me, $50,000. That means that he walked on five grand. 701-652-3400. And you ask Kara Brinster, are you going to be working now with the attorney general? Because the attorney general just came out and said a whole lot more than you did. We've got the, we've got the transcripts, Kara. We're getting the video too. We're pulling it. We're already in discussions. We're in discussions with the local police. We're in discussions with the highway patrol here. We're going to get everything. And you're going to have to come and explain to us why it is that this guy said that he deliberately ran over a, a teenager, an 18-year-old, over a political dispute. And for some reason, you don't see that as reason enough to call for murder. And look, I'm asking conservatives, just make a phone call. I'm not saying block roads. I'm not saying burn down cities. But you all know how the left would be reacting because they do it. Because BLM, hey, BLM gets the job done. All I'm saying is make the phone call. Well, it happened. I got to tell you, we got back from the Holy Land last week and we just got we cracked it open our new box of good ranchers. And I know I know you guys are going to say, uh, you know, good ranchers, you know, they they advertise with human events. That's why Poso talks about them all the time. That's why he's always talking. No, 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 no. no. We actually love our good ranchers. They're delicious. It's some of my favorite meat of all. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy I ate very well in the Holy Land, but that's a Mediterranean diet, man. There's not a lot of meat there. You're not getting as much protein. You're getting a couple of bites. With good ranchers, you're getting that protein in every single bite. And you need to look at your macros. You need to make sure that you're getting as much protein as you need to be getting bigger because you need to be getting bigger. What does Good Ranchers sell? It's beef, chicken, seafood, prime, upper choice, ribeyes, T-bones, New York strips, signature steaks, Wagyu burgers, pre-trimmed, pre-marinated chicken breasts. It's so 
delicious. Plus, their packaging, it makes it so easy. They ship it directly to you. Do you want free shipping? I know you want free shipping. If I said free shipping, who doesn't want free shipping? GoodRanchers.com slash POSO, all the free shipping you want, plus $30 off. GoodRanchers.com slash POSO. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. As always, link in the description. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Well, we've been following the cases stemming from January 6th, and one of the largest ones, of course, is the Oath Keepers. So what's going on with the Oath Keepers case? Is it going through? Did they commit this, this grand conspiracy to overthrow the government? What's happening? What's the latest? Well, new filing is in in the case that's raising a lot of eyebrows. And we've got the filing right here, pulled up from Pacer, in the case filed in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. This is a government motion. This is the Department of Justice writing. The government's motion for a protective order pertaining to the trial testimony of confidential human sources. Confidential. The United States reflect, respectfully. So, oh, you see what happens, guys? Look. You see that? Bannon's calling me. Steve, you can't call me during the show. Should I put it on read? I'm leaving him on read. Steve, you can't call me during the show. Not how that works, buddy. <laughs> I'll call him after. So this, go all right, going back to it. Government's motion, confidential human sources. That's informants. The United States submits this motion for a protective order to protect from disclosure information regarding ongoing investigations related to certain FBI confidential human sources. Remember, CHS, that's informant. That's FBI speak for informant who are expected to, are expected to testify at trial and personal identifying information relating to those informants. At the trial, the government or defense may call to testify certain informants who were either involved in the investigation that led to the prosecution of the defendants or, listen to this line, became informants subsequent to the initiation of the instant investigation. What does that mean? There were informants that were involved in the initial investigation and then other informants. So you're talking about sources and subsources. I'm talking to somebody who used to be on the other side of the aisle here. Sources and subsources were involved in this by this motion. Now, so there, and then it goes through and they're saying, we listen to this. They don't want to tip their hand, tip their cards on any other investigation that these informants might be in. Details regarding other investigations are not relevant and could undermine the operational integrity of those investigations. This is very careful language here. Additionally, and then it says they don't want um, they don't want anyone to be able to identify them. They don't want I'm, I'm sure obviously your, your their images will not be shown. However, under the Sixth Amendment, the Constitution clause gives a defendant the right to confront and cross-examine the government's witness who testifies against the defendant. And by the way, the right to uh, the right to face your accuser, that goes all the way back to ancient Rome. That goes back to Roman law. That's something that's been there forever. 
that has been in law for a very, very, very long time. And so when I say Western civilization is built on the law of Rome, that's one of the exact precepts that I'm talking about there, the right to face your, why do we have that, right? Why do we have that in our law? It goes all the way back to Rome. But I want to go back a little bit, a little bit less than that to about two years ago when we were told, and I was there, okay, January 6th, I was there. I was walking down the street with Raheem Kassam, and I heard two flashbangs go off. And I looked over, and I saw what was happening on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol. We were walking down Constitution Avenue. So from the hill down, top of the hill down. Actually, not too far from where I got into it with John Stewart uh, later on. But I saw people on that lawn agitating. I saw people say, with my own eyes, and I've said that on War Room right afterwards, and I've always said, I don't know, people were saying, Jack, was it Antifa? Was it, I don't know, all right? But I've always said it was agitators. Now we're hearing, and we were called crazy for bringing this up. And Darren Beatty was called crazy. Revolver News was called crazy. That there may have been informants involved. And now we get a filing in the Oath Keepers case that says, yes, federal informants were involved and will be testifying at the Oath Keepers case. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'd be very interested to see what they have to say. Also, any kink organization that I've ever been a part of, there have always been rules about everyone has to be at least 18 or older. In some cases, it's actually been 19 and older to avoid things like, like an, act, an actual high school student meeting their teacher at an event. Uh, and we really don't encourage minors in kink. There's a certain amount of grooming that seems like it would be obvious, especially between like the, you know, if you're getting into BDSM, the dominant submissive, you know, a younger submissive seems like, oh, that's great, I can group. But we really frown on that. <laughs> and anybody who's playing ethically is not doing that sort of thing. And so my thing when I encounter minors in kink is, first of all, that's great that you're interested. Please come back when you're 18 here are some books to read because I'm actually not opposed to giving them material to read. I think education is so incredibly key because how can you know about how to interact with a kink community that you might be interested in if you have no concept of what any of this means. But so I think the organized kink community is part of what protects minors from the abuse that is so, uh, that can so easily be a huge part of and it's really interesting when you listen to some of these psychopaths speak that what they're doing here is they're self-brainwashing. So they're reminding themselves, oh, I need to go review this literature again. Oh, I need, I need to go review this theory again that explains to me why it's okay to be inappropriate around children, or in this case, to be sexually attracted to little kids. It's obviously wrong. It's wrong on its face. But they have to say, no, 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 I have to, I have to go back to my brainwashing and then so I'm also going to share my brainwashing with you. And this is, of course, we're talking about the Prostasia Foundation. The Prostasia Foundation, that's wonderful. I wanted to pull up a little writing from the Prostasia Foundation because we've just got a new report out that PayPal and Venmo are going to allow the Prostasia Foundation to continue to operate on their site, even though they'll ban anybody who's a conservative. Here's what it says on the Prostasia Foundation's website, prostasia.org. I'm just going to read directly from it. Uh, Pedophilia is not a moral failing. There are many theories as to how pedophilia emerges in an individual. Yet, how does one explain something as complex as attraction? It's a blend of 
Many factors from brain chemistry to life experiences, certainly researchers have, sh have sought to find definitive answers, and the results are usually weak and correlated rather than casual. What, do, what we do know is that most people who are attracted to children come to understand this at about the same stage that others recognize their own sexual preference in late childhood or early adolescence. Goes down to the next section. Pedophile is not synonymous with child molester. In fact, pedophile itself is an outdated term. Pedophilia, it's been stigmatized because it's become synonymous with child molestation. The notion of a pedophile conjures images of a person capable of doing what, for many, is the most heinous and unthinkable act, sexually harming a child. However, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. We need to use a term that has a better descriptor. The term, of course, is a map, a minor attracted person. You see, we're just minor attracted persons. We're not pedophiles. We're not child molesters. That's, that would be crazy. I, you read some of this stuff, and it makes you want to say things that you're not allowed to say on air. It makes you want to think things that make you question their moral standing where it comes down on what should be done with an organization that exists to perpetuate the idea that pedophilia is an acceptable lifestyle and that we shouldn't even call it pedophilia anymore. No, can't call them pedos. No, no, no. They're just minor attracted persons. And now here we got PayPal and Venmo allowing it on their website. They're trying to normalize the sexualization of children. Understand, and in this case, by the way, this is the same group that was trying to legalize child sex dolls not too long ago. Okay, there's way more on ProStasia. By the way, go follow the incredible Shoe on Head, who has a great investigation expose on them from about a year ago. But I want to put this out there. This is who PayPal and Venmo will allow on their platform while they're kicking you off because you said you had a problem with an election or you didn't like something that somebody said on Twitter. You get banned from that. These guys, they're happy to take your business. It's basically a, a, a drug cartel. Just imagine Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar was the head of the Cartel de Medellín in the 90s and was captured by the DEA. Pablo Escobar in the 90s offered to pay the entire Colombian external debt with the funds of, 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 of the, the narco-traffic, the, the, the business that he, he was doing. Imagine Pablo Escobar in the presidency of an entire country, mm -hmm. ruling over the largest oil reserve in the world, having one million kilometers of, of territory at his disposal and inviting the sales of Hezbollah Amas and every Colombian cartel to have a safe heaven in Venezuela, a protection in Venezuela. So nowadays, Venezuela is basically, I mean, the Maduro regime is basically perhaps the biggest uh, drug cartel in the entire uh, Western Hemisphere. So there's a new report out from the Secure Freedom Society that I thought was pretty interesting. It talks about a super cartel of drug traffickers out of Venezuela. And we talk a lot about Mexican cartels, but we should also point out that Venezuelan cartels are in on this as well. And here's what the report says. 
As of 2022, Venezuela is responsible for distributing close to 400 to 450 metric tons of cocaine out of the global market. Now, the global market, that's about a quarter. Global market's about 1,800 metric tons a year. The largest cartel in Venezuela right now, it's called Cartel de los Soles, the Cartel of the Suns. A Venezuelan organization, supposedly heavy-handed, and headed by high-ranking members of the armed forces of Venezuela that are also involved in the drug trade. According to journalists, uh, the phenomenon began when Colombian drugs began to enter into Venezuela from corrupt border units, and the rot moved its way up the ranks. And there's a ton on this, saying that it came through in the 90s, when it came to National Guard, when it came to border troops that was coming up, and then it went all the way in through up to the fact that you have these massive cartel organizations that, and separately from Mexico, where they operate independently of the government, according to this report, they're saying that it actually works with, um, with the government, in many cases through the military. One of the cartels they work with directly is, specifically on cocaine, comes to Jalisco New Generation Cartel. And if you remember this, these guys, this was the cartel back in Mexico. We covered the story a few weeks ago. They were going completely crazy down in Jalisco, Tech, or Jalisco, Mexico. Why? Because one of their lieutenants, or I think it was the son of the lieutenant, had just been arrested. And they were going completely insane, blowing up pretty much this entire town, setting it on fire, using military-style weapons to be able to go after them. So when you're looking at this, the main thing to understand, you've got cocaine, you've got fentanyl, you've got cartels in Mexico, cartels in Venezuela, the cartel of the suns. Remember that, the cartel of the suns. So we're going to keep an eye on that as we focus on these cartels, and hopefully someone can come up and say, you know what, why don't we just bomb them? I want to read this comment, though, that came in after yesterday's show. Karen from Texas. Jack, watching you on Real America right now and as you're calling for a bucket, because I wanted to vomit, she said, my eyes are crying out. I have no idea why anybody would want to destroy their baby, and I agree with you, they are scumbags for their lies about a baby's heartbeat. They think it's funny and no big deal to kill their babies, but for those of us who never got to hear our baby's heartbeat because of miscarriage, their rhetoric is heart-wrenching. Babies' lives matter. Karen from Texas, amen. That's all I have to say to that. Amen. And prayers up for all the children lost in miscarriage and any other situation going through a pregnancy. Pregnancies are hard. They're hard on everybody. They're hard on mom. They're hard on dad. And obviously, sometimes they don't go the way we want. God bless you. And that is all the time we have tonight here at Human Events Daily. Remember, as always, I promise our oath or solemn body, you be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us. Share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and leave us your five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. What do we talk about tonight? The North Dakota AG responding to us, Human Events Daily, and make sure you call that number to get that prosecutor to up the charge to murder. Murder one. That's what we're looking for. Next, the DOJ bombshell. Federal informants will testify in the Oath Keepers trial over January 6th. Third, PayPal and Venmo allowing a pedophile support group to operate. And then finally, we talked about these new super cartels coming out of Venezuela, the new report that's all about them. Folks, we got a lot going on, a ton going on this weekend, too, by the way. So stay tuned this Sunday for our Sunday special, our sit down with Senator Rand Paul. But, of course, 
I'm going to be followed by Drew Hernandez of Frontlines. But once you've done that, if you're still looking for something else, go and check out the Great Reset documentary that's out there. We've just dropped episode one of the series, The Great Global Reset. Myself, the great Morgan Zeggers, you go to tpusa.com slash reset. You can check it all out there, tpusa.com slash reset. But first, it's time for tonight's moment of history. On this day, 1978, 100,000 cheering Egyptians welcomed Anwar Sadat home from Camp David with, from the peace summit that was held there, the Treaty with Israel. That treaty, held after the Yom Kippur War, the Third Arab-Israeli War, led to his assassination just a few years later. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission. Lay ashore. 